sa Alabao. It's the What's It All About show with your host, Al Roberts. Let's get ready to rumble! How's everyone doing? Welcome to the What's It All About in the Mayfield, Neil Roberts. Um, just want to start today's show by saying uh, get well soon to Tim of Timmy's Bar and Kitchen, who's um, they're a big sponsor of the JMA Radio. Uh, yeah, mate, just want to say like get well soon. Hope you're keeping all right. I uh, hope you enjoyed the UFC the other night as much as I did, and hopefully talk to you soon, mate. But yeah, uh, on with the show. Hope everyone's keeping okay. Hope everyone's all right. Yeah, what a yeah, what a weekend of fights. Um, obviously, yeah, I think the big topic today is going to be so much to take from UFC 260. Like, there's so much to talk about with that. A lot of um, lot of questions answered this weekend. Uh, I thoroughly fucking enjoyed that card. Like, it was unreal. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, going to start today's show off with UFC 260. We're going to talk about um, the next UFC event which is April 10th, between um, my one of my favourite guys and hopefully yours, Darren Till and uh, Tory. That's it's a decent little fight card. It really is. We're going to talk a bit about that. Um, the return of Misha Tate, this, um, this, this knocked me for six this week. Um, former UFC bantamweight female champion, Misha Tate is coming out of retirement after quite a few years to, to have another run. It's random. It's really, it's a strange one. It probably caught me off guard. And this week in MMA history, we're going to talk about UFC uh, 111, which was from March 27th, 2010, and that was George St. Pierre versus Dan Hardy. Um, yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit as well. But yeah, um, fuck, this weekend's card, Jesus Christ, uh, where to start? There were so many good finishes on this card. There were so many real big points to take away from it as well. Real big points. Uh, where to start? That's all I can say. Uh, I think you've got to start the the main event as always. I'm going to start from the top and work down. We've got we've got a new heavyweight champion and shit. I, I think a lot of that division are going to start cutting weight to two or five. Fuck. Uh, I called this like last couple of weeks. I've talked about this anytime it's been brought up. I called. I called this where I said I just have this this feeling in Ganu's gonna go in and he's gonna take him out. I I gen, genuinely, for the record, I have all the time in the world for Steve Miocic. I really do. I honestly do. Uh but man, you cannot fuck about with Francis and Ganu's power. Jesus Christ. Uh, Francis Ganu putting Stipe away in the second round, like away, no, no TKO. I mean, 
stiff boarded. Um, fuck. Francis Ngannou. Uh, it's strange actually on um, on Saturday before, well, not a long way before, it was during the day. Um, I sat down, I watched the first Stipe and Ngannou fight. I sat down, watched it, wanted to see what takeaways I took from it. It was a simple one, and Ganu gassed out after about three minutes of that fight, throwing bombs and not getting anywhere with them, not not really connecting as flush as he liked. Uh, going into this fight, I figured it was a no-brainer. It was a no-brainer. The main point of uh, point of entry into this fight for Ganu was quite simple. It was go in, it was pace yourself, and don't try and rush the knockout. And you know what? He did that perfectly. He stalked, stalked Steve Miocic in that first round. There's a, it's one of those where you go, yeah, there's a reason to call him the Predator. He stalked him. Um, a massive red light for the Miocic fans, I think, was when Nganu stuffed the first takedown. He stuffed it, sprawled out, and just seemed to just power Miocic into the ground. And then he even started trying to take his back. It was it was one of them where the, just in that brief moment you saw so much evolution in Francis Ngannou, so much evolution. Um, yeah, Stipe looked very tentative in that first round, like anyone should be. It's not a knock by any means. It's not me. Um, I don't think it's a negative by any means. I think with someone like Ngannou, with that sort of absolute kill power. You've got to be tentative. You, you can't be rushing in there playing games. If anything, like in the second round where the knockout came for Nganu, if anything, that was the moment Stipe rushed in. He got hit, counted back with a, with a beautiful right hand that landed on Francis, and Nganu just counted with an absolute death hook that just starched in, uh, Stipe, just starched him, man. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's a tough one because I, I don't think there's many people out there who don't like Stipe Miocic. I really do think he's a, he's an all-round amazing human being in a lot of ways. The guys, the guys got the UFC. It's a big debate talking about who the big, who the best, um, who the best heavyweight is of all time. It's a it's a tough one. I've been in a few debates with uh, quite a few people this last week about it. Um. Is it Stipe? When it comes to UFC, maybe on paper, yeah. If you go off title defenses, etc., it's a, there's a lot to take. I'm not getting into a debate about it today, um, but yeah, it's a hard one. Stipe, one of the greatest heavyweights to ever do it. Maybe, maybe the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. Uh, he's got the records, etc. He's also a fireman. He, he works as a full-time firefighter on top of being a world champion. He's an all-around just super nice guy. And it's it's a tough one because I think a lot of people were rooting for him in this fight. But Francis Ngannou has arrived. And I I think there's a lot of struggles to see. Uh, there's a lot of struggles to see who's going to be throwing that man at the minute. That man has the... He, he might have the scariest knockout power of all time. Don't get me wrong, you take into account the fact that the guy's the size of a small house, but, man, he, it's fucking terrifying. Terrifying how quickly he can put someone out. Um, yeah, I don't I don't even know where to start. I think it's something, it's something about Francis, though, when you hear about his life story, where he came from and how he got here, 
it's absolutely fascinating. He is a fascinating human being to to hear about, and um, I think what one of the things with someone like Francis Ngannou is you can't, you can't train adversity. That guy is that guy's been through more in his life than most people could ever fear of, really. Like the guy travelled all the way from Cameroon to to Paris, was homeless. Bear in mind, this guy's only trained MMA for five or six years. You know what I mean? That's terrifying. Like, that guy, yeah. He grew up in, um, even at 10 years old, he was he was working in a sand mine in Cameroon. Like, it, it's a crazy story. Um, if you get a chance, go go and listen to his uh, podcast with uh, Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan Experience. Go listen to just the guy's story. It's a different, It's a di- he's a different breed of animal. He really is. Um, yeah, my point is though, you, you can't train that sort of, yeah, adversity. You really can't. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. Um, let's discuss though, a big factor of this is what's next for Francis Ngannou. I think Miocic takes a bit of time off. I know, I think that's a no brainer, um, goes and thinks about things and I'd like to see him come back and fight again. I've got nothing against that. I think it'd be. Great to see him, see him return. But when it comes to Ngannou, you've got two options. One thing I really enjoyed was Dana White at the post press, excuse me, the post press um, press conference, where I feel like um, I feel like he definitely outed John Jones in a in a way to yeah fish him fish him into taking this fight, and that's one of the options. It is John Jones. It's a well known fact. John Jones is going up to heavyweight. It's fact, but he seems to be um, struggling, dipping his toe in the water at heavyweight, so to speak. He doesn't seem to be really pushing for any super fights. He seems to be just waiting. And he he openly said he's waiting for the right money. So the next in line is obviously Derek fucking Lewis, man. Derek Lewis against Ngannou in a rematch. Their first fight is one of the worst fights you'll ever see. I'll get that out there right away. That first fight between Ngannou and Lewis is fucking dreadful, to say the least. But um, a rematch, both guys have came a long way since that. Uh, both have been knocking people out senseless. It's it's fucking there for the taking. It really is. Um, that's a great fight. The rematch is a good fight, man. I think there's. I think we're more than likely going to get Lewis and Ngannou uh, before we get Ngannou versus Jones at this rate. I just don't think. I I'll be honest. I think I think John Jones. I'm curious to see how he does it heavyweight. I really am. I'm very curious to see how he does it heavyweight. But there's a big difference in wrestle fucking and out striking guys at two or five to trying to take on this absolute African juggernaut. It's it, nah. It's just for me. I don't like John Jones, anyways. I'm being honest, I just don't. I think the guy's a bit of a, just a bit of an all-round dick in a lot of ways. I also think that he's always going to be tarnished with the, uh, I'd say accusations of steroid use. No, fuck that. He he got caught using steroids full stop more than once, but the UFC fucking moved the goalposts for him the second time, really. And yeah, either I'm not getting into that now, but. Yeah, the guy, I'm not a big fan of him. Personally, I can think of no better than Francis Ngannou 
putting John Jones out severely. I really can't. Now, the other debate with this is, which was brought up, brought up um, a friend of mine, Martin Gordon, brought this up, a.k.a. Marv. He said, if Jones goes up and beats Ngannou, is he the greatest of all time? Got to discuss it. You, it's, a, it's a fucking tough one. It, you can't. How do you argue against that with his record and what he's done done in the sport? It's a tough one. For the John Jones fanboys out there, it's definitely a, a big feather in their cap, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think um, it's got to be Nganu versus Lewis. That's the priority. But if John Jones fancies uh, actually engaging in a heavyweight fight and actually doing this, then it's Jones and Nganu, isn't it? That's a super fight, in my opinion. In fact, not even in my opinion. I think everyone's opinion should be that that is a super fight, without a doubt it is. Yeah, but yeah, man, what a what a fucking knockout! What a what a win! What a I think it's the start of something very fucking scary. I think the uh, the France and Ganu era has begun, and I don't see many people in that division being able to do fuck all about it, to be honest. So yeah, um, Miocic is still a legend in my opinion. He really is. I think he's one of the most likable people in the sport. I think he's all around good guy. Um, and I think he's still got quite a few fights in him, so yeah, very curious to see how that plays out for him. It's good though; it is good. Um, yeah. Well, either way, moving on. Welterweight co-main event. Obviously, sadly, we lost the Ortega versus Volkanovski title fight, which would have made this card even more epic. But it was this was an unreal little scrap for the round it lasted. We had former welterweight champion Tyron Woodley against. Rising savage Vincente Luque. I've got a lot of time for Vincente Luque. He's really been on my, my my radar for quite a few years now, and it was good to see him get a big fight. Um, Woodley. Well, let's start with this. Vincente Luque wins by submission. Beautiful dash choke. Um, yeah, first round. But Woodley, I've got to give so much credit to Woodley in this fight. For the, as long as it lasted only a round, Woodley marched out of that fight and threw bombs. He was he was in it to fucking throw bombs. He didn't cower against the cage. He got he got right in Luke's face through heavy, heavy shots um, that led on to Woodley landing and a, a real big shot, rocking Luke, and just went head first in, and Luke countered, and then. Vincente Luque beat the fucking daylights out of Woodley. Secured up a fucking beautiful, I mean, beautiful Dars choke. And that was it. Um, it's a tough one for Woodley. The guy's on a four-fight losing streak. But then you look at who he's lost to. He couldn't have lost to any more elite competition than he has. This guy wasn't, yeah. You look at the guys, you look at Usman. Usman beat him for the title. He then goes and fights Gilbert Burns, who goes on to fight Usman for the title. It loses to Colby Covington, who's coming off a loss for the title. He's fought the, th he's, the three losses before this were all the top guys in that division. The three top fucking welterweights in the world he lost to. Two were decisions. One was an injury. Um, or, or, or he bitched out one or the other, whichever way you want to look at it. And then he's just had to take on some rising fucking killer in Vincente Luque. The guy's not had a good, easy run. Um, what's next for Woodley? Fuck. Like, uh, you've, 
I get criticised by people quite a lot about always talking about off to Bellator. Oh, you lose that many fights off to Bellator. It's just realistic. Like, this is what happens now. Like, there's such a... I grew up watching a lot of wrestling, a lot of WWE and WCW. The whole Bellator UFC thing is completely parallel and identical to the old Monday Night Wars with WWE and WCW. For the record, I don't really watch wrestling anymore. I, I, I don't enjoy it. I think it's shit now. But back in the day, that's how it worked. The sort of aging superstars left WWF at the time and jumped to WCW. And this is it's the exact same format with UFC and Bellator a lot of the time. Bellator, if Bellator spent more time promoting their up-and-coming talent and really making a name for those guys, building those, those guys up as elite fighters... They'd do far better than bringing fucking ex-UFC fighters who are on four-fight losing streaks over just to get a few names on the roster. Build your own fucking talent, Bellator. Stop just using old names. It's not going to work. You've got a limited fucking time on these guys you're bringing over. You look at what they've done with Fedor and... Um, oh, I'll take your fucking pick. Uh, Roy Nelson... Um, Matt Mitrione, like you've got all these like guys who, yeah, don't get us wrong, there's a lot of guys who, who left the UFC for Bellator for a better paycheck, e.g. Rory McDonald, who got a stern awakening when he went there and, you know, didn't he didn't really run through run through everyone like they thought he would, you know what I mean, now he's moved on to PFL, um, I'm not saying Bellator hasn't got some elite fighters, it fucking has, fucking has. it really has, Douglas Lima, Ryan Bader's is a great fighter, um, you got got uh, ex-UFC champions like Benson Henderson over there. Um, you've got the uh, Patricky Pitbull and his brother. You know what I mean? There's elite fighters. Michael Chandler came from Bellator, who was, who was an unbelievable talent. I'm not saying they haven't got it, but they are not promoting their fucking talent the way they should. Anyways, I completely went off topic there, but yeah, I think Woodley, what's next for Woodley is simple, man. I think he's out the UFC. I don't think there's two ways about it. The guy's lost four on the belt. Don't get me wrong, he got beat by three, uh, three, the three most elite fighters in that division before losing to Luke here. And he got outworked, but he didn't look like the same Woodley who beat Darren Till, who beat Robbie Lawler, who smashed Josh Koscheck. Um, he just didn't look that same guy. He really didn't. In this fight, he, I, I've just keep need to need to keep repeating this. Like he looked like he was in it. He looked like he was coming out to throw bombs to get a win, and that's what I wanted to see from Woodley in this fight. And he did that. But Vincente Luque is a fucking knockout fighter, with with as it's been proven at the weekend, nasty Darson anaconda chokes. <sighs> Fuck it, it is what it is, man. Like I've never been a huge fan of Woodley, but I have appreciated the work he's put in and the fights he's had. His, his first fight with Wonderboy was a classic. It really was. His fights, uh, his knockout to Jay Heron, unreal. Um, his knockout of Robbie Lawler was a stinger for me. I'm a huge Robbie Lawler fan, but still, uh, to take out that guy, Lawler was like the most vicious, one of the most vicious UFC champions we've ever had. But I think Woodley goes off to Bellator. Um, now, the other side to this is, I think he goes to Bellator, they'll give him some, you know, mid-range fights but if the thing is though he's gonna have to run into if he's say he goes to Bellator gets a couple of wins under his belt which I think I think I'd like to see 
he's then got to face uh, Douglas Lima, who Douglas Lima is one of the scariest fighters in the world. It's an absolute fucking crime that that guy is not in the UFC. It really is. But I don't know. I don't know where. I don't know any other way from that. As for Luke, Vincente Luke is on the up. Like that guy. I mean, he's lost fights against the likes of Leon Edwards in the UFC and a few more, but he's also had some of the most exciting wars with people. He's finished just about most of his opponents. He's had, He's got submission wins, knockout wins. The guy's tough as nails, has a great jaw on him, and goes in there just to fucking scrap. Um, I, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on the hype train of Vincente Luque. I really am, but... I actually said this ages ago, and I mean ages ago, where I said I wanted to see Hamzat Shemaya versus Vincente Luque, and I'm sticking to that. Hamzat wants to come into that division and claim he's this, that, and the other. All right, fight fight Luque. I think Luque's, like, Hamzat's calling out fucking Neil Magny. No, call out Luque, see what happens. Let's see how, let's see how the hype train deals with that. Let's see. But yeah, I think Luke has got any amount of exciting fights. I think he takes on anyone in that top ten and does pretty fucking well against them, to be honest. But yeah, let's see. Uh, let's see Vincent Luke versus Hamza Chimaev. Let's see that get put together. But yeah, um, we had the return of um, Sean O'Malley taking on Thomas Almeida. Oh, this was a crazy one, man. Look, Sean O'Malley's a guy I don't like. I think the guy's a dick. If I'm being honest, he annoys me. I just, but it still makes me a fan by not liking a fighter. Because I guarantee, if you don't like a fighter, you're going to tune in and watch his fights. You are, so therefore, it makes you a fan. It just is what it is. That's how I've always seen it. Whether it be, you know what I mean? Like on my list of fighters, I've always hated John Jones, Conor McGregor, Josh Koscheck, Sean O'Malley. These sort of names, but. I don't like them, I fucking don't like them as, as people or fighters, but I guarantee I watch every one of the fights. Um, it was a tough one for me, this, because I really like Thomas Almeida, but Thomas Almeida has had a fucking hard run of it in recent fucking years. Um, he's now 0-4 um, in his last fight, four fights. Uh, O'Malley knocked him out in the third round. O'Malley fucked up in the first. He landed this beautiful head kick to his chin. Dropped him against the cage and did the, tried to do one of his little walk-off KOs. And Almeida recovered, got back in the game, carried on. It wasn't until the third round where O'Malley landed a beautiful little left hand that rocked Almeida, knocked him to the ground, and O'Malley finished with a nasty one bomb to the to a grounded opponent, to a down, well, to a grounded opponent. I shouldn't say downed opponent. People get confused, but man, what a right hand he landed Almeida, knocking him out. Um, I like Thomas Almeida. I really do. I've always I've enjoyed him since I first seen him come into the UFC. At one point, he was looking like a guy who could really run up that run up that division until Garbrandt knocked him out. But look, O'Malley's good. Don't get me wrong. Sean O'Malley is fucking good. But I don't I don't know. Let's see how he does when he jumps up in competition. I just if he's as good as he says he is, and everyone's jumping on this hype train. All right, let's throw him up into the wolves. Let's have him fight Rob Font. Let's have him fight Marlon Moraes. Let's have him fight fucking... Hell, fuck it. Let's have him fight Garbrandt and shit like that. Like, Let's see how he does in the top division. Let's see how he does up there. Fuck it. Frankie. Let's see how he does against Frankie. If Frankie's not retired. I don't know. 
there's a lot of lot of big names in that division that I, I, I'm curious to see how O'Malley does against. But yeah, great either way, my opinion or not, like O'Malley put on a clinic this weekend and looks fucking good doing it. He's a talent, he really is. Just a bit of a dick. Um, women's flyweight fight. Gillian Robertson against Miranda Maverick was a great fight, man. Absolutely great fight. Gillian Roberts, man, this this girl fights non-stop her. Like, she's another one of these girls who does not get enough credit. She's constantly out there fighting. She's constantly taking fights, fighting anyone that thought him. Thought her, sorry. No mistake. Um, you've got to give this girl credit, man. I mean, she's coming off another decision loss to Miranda Maverick, but Miranda Maverick is also an absolute beast. That that girl is built. She is built. She's strong. She's powerful. Good striking. She's one of them who's a serious fucking, serious one to watch, man. I'm telling you. Miranda Maverick's an up-and-comer. And Gillian Robertson, though, don't count her out. Because she, like I say, man, she takes fights non-stop. She's constantly getting better. The striking in this fight looked far, far better. Now, I know Joe Rogan and DC mentioned this in the fight, but from that first round, I noticed it. Her footwork was better. Accuracy. Just she, I think DC said it best. Like She just looks so much more comfortable. Gillian Robertson is also a serious threat on the ground, man. Her jiu-jitsu is legit. But Miranda Maverick pulling off the decision, it is what it is, fair enough. Opening the card, we had um, uh, Jamie Malaki uh, fighting Karma Worthy. What a knockout this was. Jesus Christ. It was a good back, good little fight, this. It really was. I enjoyed it. But Jamie Malaki landing a left hook of death. It was just such a pristine, perfect left hook. Just catching Karma Worthy on the tip of his chin. Face planting him and finishing him with strikes. It was a fucking great knockout. Um, in fairness, I haven't seen any, who got any of the bonuses on this card. I actually haven't. I haven't. Fuck, fuck knows who you're giving the bonuses to in this fight. I have no idea. Um, yeah, moving on to the prelims though. Alonzo Menfield with a beautiful Von Flew choke against Fabio Charant. Uh, Fabio Charant coming over from EFC out in Africa. He was there, 205 champion out there. But he just got taken down, pinned, and Ron Fluchok's are rare. But, yeah, it was good to see Alonzo Menfield get that. It was something different. I liked it. I really did. Uh, we've seen um, Abu Bakar. I can't, man, I still can't pronounce that. Um, Abu, ba- <laughs> Abu Bakar uh, Nurmagomedov uh, defeated Jared Gooden. Um, I believe he's... Uh, what is it? Uh, he's Khabib's cousin. Uh, and you can tell. Man, this guy's grappling's on point. DC made this massive point about all these uh, Eagle MMA guys coming up, all the Khabib's boys. They're all coming up with as good a wrestling as Khabib. But they've, every one of them I've seen fighters had far, far better striking from a UFC beginner standpoint than Khabib did. You look at Khabib's first couple of fights in the UFC stand-up wise like it was something to be desired all these boys like um, Abu 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 Bakar from the weekend had such a great fucking stand-up game man uh, kicks for one body kicks great job great hands and he fucking put it on Jared Gooden he really did landed a couple of good shots in that, in that fight and he looks like a killer man he really does. 
um, this was at welterweight, so the Dagestanis are coming, man. That's all I can say. The Dagestanis are coming, and it's a fucking scary, scary fucking point. Um, at light heavyweight, we had uh, Modestus Bukovskis against Mikhail Holosiniuk. Um, I think everyone pronounced I don't know how the fuck he meant to pronounce that properly, but it's a good little scrap, man. Um, I quite, I, I, I actually really rate Modestus uh, Bukowskis. I watched him in Cage Warriors quite a bit, and he always looked like a killer on that sort of lowercase scene. Um, but uh, Mikhail, fuck, that guy's got some boxing, but he also, Mikhail, who he's fighting, doesn't look like a 205er, man. He looks like a middleweight. I just don't think he looks like a big guy for 205. He looks uh, looks quite small, but Kowskis is a, is a big guy for two or five, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, either way, um, yeah, Mikhail taking the decision win. It was a good back and forth fight. I really enjoyed it. Really did. Um, that Mikhail guy just pressures, man. He just goes forward. I loved it. Uh, we had featherweight. We had Shane Young losing to Omar Morales, which was a bit of a shame. I do quite like Shane Young. He just um, Omar Morales dropping down from lightweight, and that guy looks fucking big for featherweight. Big. And then we had uh, opening the night, middleweight bout, uh, Mark Andre Barriolt versus Abu Azateh. Uh, yeah, um, Barriolt getting a third round TKO win. But yeah, oh man, what can I say that I haven't already said about this card, man? Fuck. Um, Africa. Africa's got three champions in the UFC now, one of them being Francis Ngannou, and man, it, there are some killers coming up, absolute killers coming up in, in the UFC from Africa, and Ngannou's uh, spearheading that now, he really is. Um, we've got to see Francis Ngannou versus Lewis, unless John Jones wants to pull his socks up and do something, let's see how that goes. Um, Vincent Luque, performance of the night for me, uh, I love that submission. And all credit to Woodley going out on his shield. Sean O'Malley showing that he, he's fucking good, but he's still a dick. Jamie Malarkey with a beautiful KO left hand. Um, and yeah, Alonzo Menfield's uh, Von Fluchok was unreal as well. So they, they were my big takes from this weekend. Uh, like I say, Vincent Eluke versus Hamza Chimeyev. That's what I want to see. But yeah, uh, yeah, what a card, man. What a card. I hope everyone else enjoyed it as much as I fucking did, man. I thought it was a great card. Maybe the best card so far this year. But I say that a lot. But it's because I'm always fucking still in the little hype about it. So, But yeah, great card, man. Hell of a historic moment. Francis Ngannou, KO and Miochik, man. Historic. Iconic, even. Now then, next, day, next uh, UFC event coming up is April 10th. This is a... Uh, Nice little fight night is got some absolute fucking bangers throughout this fight, uh, throughout this card. There are so many fun little fights on this card. It's headlined by um, Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori. Um, what a scrap this is going to be, man. Can't wait to see Darren Till get back in there again. Um, and Mar Marvin Vittori as well, looking like a man possessed in his last fight. Vittori's stayed on the sidelines for a bit and he's not been talked about, but uh, coming off big win over Jack Manson, he looked like a whole new, a whole new fighter. He's tough as fuck, built like a bull as well. Um, and then you've got everyone's favorite, Darren the Gorilla Till. It's interesting, man. It's a good fight. Uh, Israel Adesanya's already fought Martin Vittori. 
before he before he had the title. And Vittori did surprisingly fucking well against him as well. Um, but Izzy has also said that if Darren Till gets to Vittori, he wants Darren Till next at middleweight, which I think is a great fight. I think Darren Till's a lad who will really, uh, he'll really challenge Israel Adesanya. I, I really do. Um, I think it's an interesting style style clash of Darren Till striking against Izzy striking. I think I think it's very interesting. I think what's interesting is the fact that I know neither guy's going to take this to the ground. So, hey, but I'm jumping ahead, man. Like, Darren Till's got a big fucking, big old Italian bull in front of him in the in the look of Marvin Vittori. It's a tough fight for Till and Vittori. I think it's a very interesting one. I think it catapults, whoever wins it, it catapults them up, man. It really did, does. It catapults them into contention. Um, yeah. Very excited to see Darren, how Darren Till does with Vittori. I, I think it's Till's fight to take, but I could be wrong. Um, I don't think Vittori is a guy that anyone should doubt. In the core main, this is going to be a fucking banger. Uh, Sadiq Youssef versus Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen is a UK standout who has just looked better and better and better in his fights. He hasn't fought for quite a while, to be fair, but I don't think Youssef has either. But Arnold Allen is a fucking talent. Great talent coming out of the UK. And yeah, very curious to see how, how this fight goes down. But Sadiq Youssef throws bombs. That guy that guy hits. But Arnold Allen is well-rounded, man. His striking's there. His striking's good. Um, his grappling's really good as well. Um, I'm, I'd love to see Arnold Allen get a win and catapult him up into that, that uh, upper echelon of the uh, featherweight division. Middleweight, we've got uh, Kyle Daukas. Who I believe his older brother fights at heavyweight. Uh, he fights at middleweight. He's fighting um, Alice Kebab Kizriev. Um, so you just know that that guy's going to be fucking. You know that guy's a wrestler. It goes without saying. I've, I've not seen that guy fight off the top of my head, but he's 13 and 0. Kyle Daukas, 10 and 1. Yeah, should be good, man. Should be a good little, little fight that I'm curious to see if Daukas lives up to the sort of the hype of his brother. Uh, we've got middleweight, we've got um, Smiling Sam Alvey versus uh, Julian, the Cuban Missile Crisis, Marquez. Very interesting fight. Sam Alvey dropping back down middleweight on a hell of a losing streak. But Sam Alvey turns up to fight every time, man. He really does. Um, Sam Alvey's a one-trick pony, man, but I like him. I really do. I think he's a hell of a character. Tough as nails, game for a scrap. And Julian Marquez coming off that um, last-minute submission win over Maki Patolo the other month. So, curious, very curious to see how this fight plays out. I could see Sam back down at middleweight, but I, I never understood why he was up at 205, to be honest. But, yeah, good fight, very good fight. Uh, women's strawweight, Nina Ansaroff against Mackenzie Dern. Another great fight, absolutely amazing fight. Opening up the main card, though, this, I'm calling this now, this will be fight of the night. We have got Mike Perry against Daniel Rodriguez. Trust me when I say this, this is going to be a fucking banger. It's going to be a war. Both lads, strikers, both guys, tough as fucking nails. Uh, hard as coffin nails, man. Like These two guys are going to go in there and just try and decapitate each other for three rounds. I, I just see that as a, just an absolute blinder of a fight. It, I really do. Uh, prelims as well. Absolutely stacked with loads of fun little fighters. Um, quite a few. Um, yeah, I'm just going to call out a couple of couple of these fights, but 
Um, Jim Miller headlining it against Joe Selecki. Jim Miller taking on another young young gun. Very interesting fight. Jim Miller's a veteran of veterans, man. Like Jim Miller has fought everyone and anyone in the UFC. He really has. He's he's a fucking workhorse, and he's one of my 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 favorites. Like I love Jim Miller. Love watching him fight. The guy's a, a fucking beast. Uh, Joe Selecki though is a fucking killer and on the up and coming as well. Like he is really up and coming. A guy to watch and guy to keep a fucking eye on at lightweight. Uh, Scott Holtzman against Matsuas Gamrock. That'll be a fucking belter. I guarantee that'll be a good one. Um, both guys game as fuck. Um, Gamrock, very good fucking striker. Scott Holtzman, fucking game as they come. Uh, bomb, bomb, bomb. Who else we got on here? Uh, completely under the radar fight that's hiding down the bottom. Uh, Jung Daun versus uh, William Knight. That will be a that will be a fucking good fight. I guarantee it. That will be really good. I think that's that's there for the taking. That should be decent. And also got um, Hunter Azure versus uh, Cage Warriors standout Jack Tankshaw. Uh, Jack Shaw is a beast, man. Like he's another one to watch. And also opening, the, we've got uh, Impa Kazagane versus uh, Sasha Palatin Palatnikov. Uh, I'm a big fan of Impa. Obviously, he's most renowned for. Um, Getting that crazy uh, wheel kick done to him, but trust me, man, that guy's a beast. Like he's definitely one to watch as well. But man, like this card's fun. Like it's just full of fun fights. Um, yeah, a lot of under the radar fights on this card, and it's an absolute fucking belter. Believe me, like get yourself on this fight card. It's it's gonna be good. I guarantee it. But I think um, I think the big takeaway up and coming on this fight is the two big fights well the three big fights on this card for me are Till versus Vittori who gets who gets fired up into title contention obviously we've got Whitaker and Gaslam fighting as well so there's a the middleweight division's interesting as fuck with that you've got all these four guys who are all gonna try and take a shot at Izzy uh, the core man Sadiq Youssef versus Arnold Allen is a very fucking good fight and Mike Perry versus Daniel Rodriguez will be a fucking bloodbath if everything goes to plan. So yeah, um, very excited for this for just a little fight night. Oh, it's it's fun as fuck. There's so many fun fights, man. Very much looking forward to it. Now the next subject caught me right off guard this week. It honestly did, and that's the return of former uh, women's bantamweight champion uh, Misha Tate uh, coming back out of retirement. After close to five years out, to be honest, um, yeah, it, it, I'll, I'll be honest, it did. It caught me off guard. I'm still sort of trying to process it. She's fighting um, Marion Renault, I believe, which is an interesting fight. Two very, well, she's a veteran Renault, absolute veteran. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Misha Taylor hasn't fought since UFC 205, where she lost to Raquel Pennington by decision, um, where she got just boxed up basically it was one of them she didn't seem in that fight if I'm being honest like she just didn't but previous to that she lost at UFC 200 back in 2016 to the the female goat the destroyer of worlds that is Amanda Nunes like Amanda Nunes put a beating on Misha Tate um smashed her face to bits and rear naked choked her before that, she stole the title off Holly Holm in a very 
uh, last minute fucking rally in the fifth round to take the title. Misha Tate's fought everyone and anyone. She honestly has it um, at Bantamweight, at female Bantamweight. She really has. She was Strike Force, um, I believe she was Strike Force uh, women's champion. Before that, she was um, on the regional scene. She had a championship as well. And, you know, she came up and she's had a fucking hell of a career, if I'm being honest. She really has. Um, she was a hell of a talent. Um, but I think, I think personally, I think it's a smart move who she's fighting. Like, I think Renault's a good fighter, don't get me wrong, but I think it's a good, a good, um, a good level of fight to come back after five years. But I don't know how she does. I really don't. I'm also curious, like, um, I know she's involved in one championship in Asia. She was like a um, sort of face for them for a long time. So I don't know if that's stopped now or I'm not sure. I'd have to look into that. But yeah, it's, it's a weird one. Me, she take coming out of retirement. But yeah, curious to see how she does. See if she takes a, see if she's silly enough to get a few wins and take a shot at the shot at the title. But um, yeah, it's interesting, man. I don't know. But yeah, good to see her back in it. Honestly, good for her coming back out of retirement. I think she's had two kids now, something like that. So, yeah, good for her, man. Fair enough. Let's see how she does. But um, Marion Renault is no joke. Like she's she's a veteran of MMA, good kickboxer, underrated off her back as well with the submissions. Like really good guard, good triangles. Yeah, let's see how it plays out, man. We're gonna end today's show as always with my favorite segment and hopefully yours this week in MMA history. Um, this event, this event has, um, a historic, um, pin to it, so to speak. And the event is UFC, um, 111, or 111. And it took place at, uh, in 2010, March 27th. And this was, uh, Joe St. Pierre defending his welterweight crown against, uh, rising UK fighter and standout Dan Hardy. Now, the historic side to this event is... This was the first time a British fighter had fought for a title in UFC. Um, Dan Hardy had all the hype coming into this fight. He really did. But as always, the big question with any UK fighter, especially back then, was uh, what's the wrestling takedown defence like? And that was honestly it. Um, it's, it. It's quite a simple one in a nutshell, this fight. It was a matter of George St. Pierre just wrestling the fuck out of Dan Hardy for five rounds. That's honestly, the, that's that's the basis of the fight, but it was a great build-up to this fight. Dan Hardy was on, you know, uh, he was on what, seven-fight win streak? He was on a seven-fight win streak, um, four of them being UFC wins, and looked damn good doing it, man. He really did. Um, he came to the UFC, fought a uh, pride legend, Akihiro Gono, won a decision. He then got the knockout of his career at UFC 95, one of my favourite events that I've talked about on the show, um, against Rory Markham, just a, a picture-perfect left hand. He then went, up, went on to beat uh, Marcus Davis, who was a, a great gatekeeper for welterweight at that time, um, and then decisioned Mike Swick at UFC 105, and... It, it aligned him for a title shot against George St. Pierre. It really did, and it was always it was a simple it was a simple question of how would he do? 
like how would he do again not even how would he do i should i should term it more of an intelligent way of how would he do against the wrestling george st pierre that's what everyone feared with george st pierre at that time you got to think that george st pierre at that time was coming off some absolute fucking some crazy crazy wins even at that time like george st pierre had um you know he, he came back from his tko loss in 2007 and basically beat Josh Koscheck, Matt Hughes, um, re- avenged his loss to Matt Serra, beat John Fitch, beat BJ Penn. Um, and he was coming off an absolute fucking demolish of uh, Tiago Alves, who at that point was just one of the scariest strikers in that division. Building up this fight, it, it did make you ask the question of, you know, what did Dan Hardy bring to it? And the question, the answer was striking. Dan Hardy's striking was and always has been his, his bread and butter. It was just, this fight was, this fight was just one of those where George St. Pierre just dominated. He really did. The craziest thing to take away from this fight was the fact that George St. Pierre got Dan Hardy in a full-blown full armbar and couldn't tap him and also had him in a full-blown Kimura and could not tap him. Dan Hardy's mental, mental ability to sub- sustain that was just incredible. To be putting those submissions to that extent was just crazy. Like, he just didn't tap, got out of them. Yeah, it's it's one of them fights, man. It really is that it was just George St. Pierre absolutely dominating. Um, yeah, it's why it's why it's hard. It's a hard one with George St. Pierre not to... Not to presume he's the greatest of all time. Um, leading on after this fight, George St. Pierre would go on to uh, rematch Josh Koscheck and brutalise him with uh, with a great striking clinic of jabs. Uh, he would then go and beat Jake Shields. He would then go and beat Carlos Condit, Nick Diaz. Um, had a controversial win over Johnny Hendricks, which I, I still to stay don't think he, he really won that fight. He'd then go and take four years off, come back and beat the great Michael Bispin for the middleweight title. So, yeah. Um, Dan Hardy's career after after this loss took a very different turn to George St. Pierre's. Um, after George St. Pierre, after losing the decision, he'd go on to fight Carlos, Carlos Condit in London and lose by KO. It, it's one of those KOs where Condit and Hardy both landed amazing counter-left hooks. Condit was just better. He then got decision by Anthony Johnson back when Anthony Johnson was a fucking welterweight, which is absolutely insane. Um, he got decisioned. Uh, he then fought Chris Lydell in Chris Lydell's retirement fight and lost via guillotine in, in an absolutely unbelievable great fight. Like it, it, it's, a, it's a fight for the ages. Chris Lydell, Dan Hardy, go watch that fight. It's fucking brilliant. Uh, Hardy then took, he took some time off. Although... Some short, a short amount of time off. Came back, KO'd Dwayne Ludwig. Uh, then in in that knockout on Ludwig is beautiful. The shuffle left hook, finished with elbows on the ground. Beautiful knockout, absolutely amazing. He then fought Amir Sadala after that, won by decision, and um, actually showed quite a lot of promise with his uh, grappling, wrestling, and his improvements there. Now that was in 2012. Dan Hardy hasn't fought since. Um, I know he's rallied and he's really rallied to get back in there and, and fight again, but he had, is it Wolfhart Syndrome, I, I believe it's called, where he had a health problem, which he's been waiting to get cleared for. He's been cleared. I just 
Personally, I think behind the scenes, they've probably convinced him not to take a fight, but he says he wants to fight against a veteran like Cerrone or Sanchez or someone like that. I'd like to see Dan Hardy come back, have a fight, get it out of his system, and then keep to his just his sterling um, analysis work, which is he's one of the best MMA analysts you'll ever hear. He really is. He's fucking, his brain for this sport is far, far above most people's. Um, but yeah, um, great, iconic, it really is the first Brit to fight for the title against one of the greatest of all time, and George St. Pierre did George St. Pierre, wrestle fuck Dan Hardy, and Hardy went on to have a bit of a tarnished career after that, and then made a comeback back in 2012, George St. Pierre went on to legitimise his GOAT status in a lot of ways, in, in a lot of people's opinions, so that's, yeah, that's why I wanted to talk about today, this event today. Um, in the core main event, though, we had uh, Shane Carwin pretty much tried to murder Frank Mayer for the, um, I believe that was for the interim heavyweight title off the top of my head. But uh, Shane Carwin crushed Frank Mayer in that fight. Shane Carwin was a scary guy, man. He was like 265 pounds. He cut to what, 265 for heavyweight and was just knocking the fucking faces off people. He was just steamrolling through people. He was huge. He was fucking huge. Um, but yeah, he crushed Frank Mir. Uh, Cowan went on to fight Brock Lesnar for the title and lost. Uh, Mir obviously dabbled about and had a few more, quite a few more fights in the UFC. Uh, at lightweight, we had Kurt Pellegrino. Submission win over Fabricio Camos. We had John Fitch uh, just wrestling the daylights out of Ben Saunders for three rounds. Uh, Jim Miller, who I mentioned earlier, got a great decision win over Mark Borchek. Uh, on the prelims, we've got uh, Nate Diaz versus Rory Markham. I remember this fight because Rory Markham missed weight horrifically and weighed in, I believe it was like in the 80s for a welterweight fight. And yeah, Nate Diaz was basically put it on him. I believe the top of the head finished him from, um, I believe it was like back mount, finished him with strikes. We had Ricardo Almeida. Got a great uh, submission win over Matt Brown. And then the early prelims, which were, I believe they were like Facebook or free back then. We had Rosemar Polares, who's a, a monster submission grappler, uh, renowned for holding on to, uh, yeah, very much renowned for holding on to heel hooks, etc. Horrible man on paper. Uh, he beat uh, Thomas Dewall by submission round one, leg lock. Uh, we had Rodney Wallace against Jared Hammond. Um, we had uh, Matt Riddle winning by disqualification against Greg Soar. It was a great card, man. Like, it's one of those cards I always remember, and it was just the fact I remember everyone really rallying behind Dan Hardy, and it was one of those where, you know, you were like, oh, imagine, imagine Dan Hardy's the one. He wasn't, like, he just wasn't. Um, yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. It's a crazy fact to do with this stuff. And while I remember hearing this off Dan Hardy in an interview, I believe, years and years and years ago, where he said um, the amount of money he got paid to fight for that card, um, Johnson Pierre spent the equivalent of that on pretty much his camp for the fight. So that puts you sort of where, yeah, it, it's food for thought, that one. It really is. You take what you want from that. But basically, the amount of money... Like, Jonathan Pierre was getting a lot of money thrown at him, basically. I think that's basically it, which is how it goes. If you're the champion, you're the best in the world. Of course, you're going to have more money. Of course, you're going to have more money for Campbell. 
just to put it and just to make that relevant though, just to throw it out there. You know what I mean? That it says a lot, it really does. But yeah, guys, that's me for today. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you very much for listening. Whether you're listening to this on JMA Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Casts, however you're listening to it, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, if you listen to this for the first time, um, go follow me on Instagram. Uh, uh, what's it all about MMA on Instagram uh, the what's it all about MMA show on Facebook um, I am focusing more on Instagram posts and Facebook posts nowadays because they just get way more just get way more interaction to be honest um, but yeah uh, massive thanks to JMA Radio and JMA Occasions as always for the platform and let me do this I love it um, get well soon Tim I hope you're keeping alright mate and just a big shout out to uh, all the DJs on JMA Radio. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah, and everyone's still in lockdown. We're fucking, we're almost there, man. Let's just keep hiding in your houses. Keep checking on your friends. And hopefully, hopefully, we'll be out of this soon. Back to normality and actually being able to see each other, socialize, talk, hug. It'll be nice. But yeah, guys, take care of yourselves. Seriously, look after each other. Look after yourselves. And have a great day, have a great week, have a great month, whatever, whenever you listen to this. But yeah, take care, guys. Bye bye.